Welcome to the I Draw Dead People podcast with your host, Megan Foldenauer. This is the first episode, and I just wanted to give you a heads up that I get really honest about what it was like to record this podcast. And I go into a couple other things as well, as well as medical art and all of that. But I just wanted to give you a little intro to let you know what happened when I recorded this. So I really hope you enjoy it. Oh, and I just launched my Patreon patreon.com slash Megan loves to draw. Okay, bye. So hi, it's Megan. I've been having a really hard time recording anything for this podcast. And of course, my cat is scratching at my butt right as I start recording, finally. I have a lot of anxiety, a lot of anxiety. And I can tell you all about where that comes from, I think. You know, I have a lot of years of experience doing this work, and it was only very, very, very recently, that I admitted that maybe I have something to say. Maybe I have a point of view. Oh, can you hear the cat? Yeah, that's great. Um, it's It goes deeper than imposter syndrome, actually. Um, imposter syndrome is definitely something I've had a lot of problems with. Not thinking that I have the credentials to speak about things, to think that things that I get, accolades I receive are flukes, um, that I'm lucky rather than talented. Uh, Yeah, or that my favorite one, that at some point someone is going to rip, you know, the mask off and discover that (laughs) I'm not qualified to do any of this. You know, mind you, I've been drawing since I was nine. That is uh, 35 years ago. Is that correct? No, more than that. 37 years ago. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And, you know, whether or not you subscribe to this whole idea of art school, I did that too. I did that at a grad school level as well. And in some form or other, I've been doing illustration and fine art now for 20 years. You know, post school. So I graduated with my graduate degree in 2002. So I'm not really sure what the deal is. But I can tell you that I know that getting on this mic and talking to all of you has really, really tickled something deep, deep within me in a completely non-fun way. (laughs) I, yeah, I, I've just been sitting. I've been very quiet. I've had that little black squiggle cloud that, you know, people get over their heads in cartoons. I've had a lot of that going on. Um, A lot of brooding, a lot of moodiness, a lot of numbing behavior, like, how many more times can I play my 3D match game on my phone? 
How many more lessons can I do in Duolingo? Like, the owl loves me right now. (laughs) And then I'm listening to other people podcasts, and I'm like, God, they just, they seem like they've just got it together. And it's so easy, breezy. They don't sound like they're reading from anything. They can just think about it. It just comes. It doesn't seem to be doing that for me. What is wrong with me? So yeah, I had these grand ideas of two different podcasts and on paper, the ideas are brilliant and I love them and I love both still. I conceived of both of these ideas about two months ago and I thought, great, now I have eight weeks to record a ton of episodes, get them in the can, and then we'll be off and running. That did not happen. No. I have tried to record once. I recorded about four minutes of an intro. I had written it all out. It was very clever. It was, I thought it was funny, you know. Um, But it felt stilted. It felt like I was reading off of paper. It didn't matter how well I did that, you know. And then that reminded me of school. And all of the presentations I've given, you know, and all the posters I've presented about and PowerPoints I've made. And none of that was ever fun for me. So how that doesn't jibe with what I wanted my podcast to be. I wanted my podcast to just be a conversation. I wanted it to be a conversation between me and you about art and science and random stuff because I am terminally curious and I can't help myself and I love sharing. I should have been like a reporter because I'm always that person that's like, oh my God, did you guys see this? Oh my God, did I tell you about this? Listen to this fun fact. Or I'm like inserting weird stuff into conversations, particularly about anatomy. And I watch so many documentaries But neither, none of that fit within the two boxes of the two podcasts that I devised, right? One specifically about small stuff in the world that has big meaning called Insignificance. That's the name of the podcast. The other one being I Draw Dead People, which is at first was solely about my life as a medical illustrator and, you know, what that's like. So here's what's going to happen. I'm keeping the name I Draw Dead People because I love it and it's cheeky and fun and it's so me. Um, Fun fact, it used to be the tagline below, like my name on my business cards, like right after my master's degree was over. And thank God my partner reminded me of that. And so we're off and running. I mean, it's just the best. So, but I think that this podcast is going to be more like the Megan Foldenauer show. Yeah. And I think that will be the tagline. Ironically, I think it will flip. So I am definitely talking about everything medical art and my life as an artist. And I'm here because I want to support all of you. If you are in a similar boat as I am, or you are earlier in your career than I am, or you are mid-career like I am, and you're dealing with like all kinds of questions and uncertainty and you don't, you need community and you need someone to talk to. You need someone to just in your ear say, Hey, it's okay. 
I've felt that way too. You know, because I need that all the time. All the time. When you work alone at home, that happens a lot. So I want that. But I want to be able to just be random, you know? I want to be random about stuff. And I hope you're okay with that. I hope that's okay. I hope that you will come along with me and you will share me with your friends and you will post about me on social media and you will just be like, who is this person? What is this person doing? This person is so random and weird. Like there's many, many, many people out there like me who do similar content. And I just started going down rabbit holes on TikTok and new podcasts and Instagram and all over the place. And I'm like, look at these folks. These folks are great. You know, they're doing this. I can do this. Like I found my permission. And I think a lot of times we don't want to want permission, right? but we crave permission. I mean, that's where I come from. Not everybody has to deal with that. And I think people who don't are very, very fortunate individuals. And I'm getting better about that. You know, I have a coach now. I have a a therapist now. I have techniques that I've learned. But man, it took a long time. A long time. So that's where I am. And I already feel better because I've said these things. I haven't stumbled all over every single word. This is like one take. I don't even know if I'll edit this at all. You know, maybe I will because I'll add in other stuff. But I just want to be really transparent with you guys. And I want to let, like, get the elephant off my damn chest. I am just so full of anxiety about this. And it's not meant to be that. It's meant to be fun fun. I have a post-it right here that I had to write down for myself. That's how this is with me. My post-it says, fun, light, snippet, cool, easy, chats, side projects, not dissertations. People don't already know this stuff. Because that's another thing. I don't think I know anything that's new or like a revelation to anybody. I'm like, everybody knows all this stuff. Everybody knows that bit of anatomy. Everybody knows what an artist is like. You know, we're all on social all the time. You know, who am I? Who am I? What do I have to say? Right? But I do have some things to say. I have been working on these things. It's hard to talk about yourself. It's really hard to talk about yourself when you're an artist. I have always been bad at writing artist statements and talking about my work. You know, for a long time, all I would ever think was, well, what do you mean, what is my art about? Or why do I do it? I do it because I like to draw and paint and I'm good at it. And I think objects are cool and people's faces are cool. And so I want to recreate them myself on a 2D surface. And that never worked for anyone. (laughs) And so I was always like, oh, what am I missing? What am I missing? Like nothing would come to me. I'd just be this like black hole of, huh? And I'd read other people's artist statements, even people who did things similar to me. And I'm like, how, how in the world did they come up with this? 
there's probably a class. Who can say? I don't know. <laughs> but <laughs> I have started to be able to talk about my work. And I have an artist statement now, you know, that makes me happy and sound sounds and feels good. And it's on my website, um, MeganLovesToDraw.com. Oh, by the way, I own like a dozen URLs that all point to MeganLovesToDraw.com. So there's many ways to find me. But my, my artist statement is there. And I feel okay about it now. I feel okay. And, you know, and it's those things. It's you one step at a time and you start slowly revealing things. And start you start having a stance on something. Like I was always trying to be very middle of the road, please everybody, you know, kind of appeal to the masses. That's what I wanted. And that's how I thought being successful worked. And because it's hard to take that leap of faith to say, oh, not everyone's going to like it. Oh my God. What if I don't sell any work? What if no one commissions me? What if I make someone mad? Oh no, like that can't be. Like, and I slowly started to realize that the reason why I felt that way is because I didn't have confidence in myself and I didn't think I was any good. So I thought, well, if I just throw enough stuff out there, somebody's got to like it. And so, yeah, I get a sale here or there. I get that little hit of dopamine and be like, okay, cool, that works. But it was never enough. It was not enough. It was not enough to sustain a life, you know? Not to mention the fact that I was making work that wasn't necessarily what I wanted to make, you know? And I love crowdsourcing ideas. I really do, because I can run out of them. But at some point, there are times when it's like, you know what? I want to do something I want to do. And it's funny, because usually when I do those things, they hit way more than the stuff that's like, oh, everybody's painting mushrooms, so I should paint a mushroom. You know? So that's a long-winded way of talking about kind of the fact that I finally have a set of kind of values that I've started to work up. And I've learned that having values helps direct everything you do, you know? And, you know, if you sit and you think and, you, and you're quiet enough, you can find that you have them. You have opinions. You know, like really, truly sit with yourself with a piece of paper or a voice recorder and say, you know, what do I actually value? And I can tell you without even looking at my paper that the first thing I value is a good drawing, a good foundation drawing. Someone who knows the structure of the thing that they are putting down on a flat 2D surface. Not someone who is just going into it for the detail only. Because I used to be a person who just went straight to the detail only. And a lot of times when you do that, the overall structure doesn't look quite right. Something is off. And if that's what you're going for, then that's fantastic. But that's never what been what I've been going for. I've always been going for likeness, good anatomy, good 3D structure, you know, really solid draftsmanship, I guess is the old timey word I would use. So that's my first value that the easiest value for me to talk about. 
you know, and then I've come across other ones through the course of schooling and living and meeting other artists and having teachers, good teachers, bad teachers, you know, people who I admire, people who I question, and then I can say, oh, well, that's not definitely not what I think. So then if that's the case, what do I think? You know, and I think that's how you start narrowing down values. As far as medical art goes, because I know that the title of this had probably drawn people in, so to speak, um, expecting that. You know, I, this is my story about that. So when I was in high school, I think I was a junior or it could have been a senior. I was taking a comparative anatomy class in any case. You know, and that's the kind of class where you dissect other animals in order to compare their anatomy to human anatomy or to their to each other, you know. So an invertebrate to a vertebrate, you know, a bird to an amphibian, blot, you know, da 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 on and on and on. Um anyway, so that class was very in-depth. Like I had done some dissection before and I decided I want to do some dissection again. And at some point, you know, we were doing lab reports. And so I would illustrate all my lab reports. You know, there'd be text and there'd be drawings. And really, honest to God, I was doing these drawings with, with a big pen, you know, with a ballpoint pen. You know, in, I don't even know if it was in black ink, which is horror. I think it was blue. God. And at one point, I got back one of my reports and I distinctly remember that I had drawn a pangolin on the front of it, which I was a brand new animal to me at the time. And my teacher, Ms. Young, who I have since become in contact with again as an adult, which is amazing. Miss Young pulled me aside one day. I was think I was hanging out with her because she had a huge snake and she used to wrap it around her body and she used to stand out in the hallway during passing period. This was like, you know, the early 90s and scare the living crap out of people walking down the hall. It was just the best. And I didn't particularly like snakes necessarily, but they didn't scare me. And so I would just hang out with her and watch, you know. It was a nice tables turned kind of effect because I was very, very, very bullied in high school. And so it was nice to watch other people be freaked out for once. Anyway, so she turned to me and she said, you know, there are all those drawings and diagrams in our textbook. And I was like, yeah. She's like, that's a job. And I'm like, what? She's like, yeah, like, think about it. There are all those drawings in your books. Someone has to draw them. And this is 1991, 92, 92, I'm going to say. So digital art is not, I mean, it's there. It's there for sure. But, you know, we're still on that edge of like, these were original works of art, original paintings or drawings or inks or whatever. And they were, you know, put into this book through whatever kind of reprographic method they used. I don't remember how old the textbook was. But I'm like, what? And at the time, I was already drawing, you know, realistic art well. And people were noticing. And I was like the artist or whatever. And I come from a small town in Indiana. I guess I should say that as well. So 
not a lot of artists. Um, so yeah, so I knew that. And then she was also saying, you know, you have this aptitude for anatomy and I liked anatomy. Like I thought this is a great topic. Like this is so right up my alley, you know, it just, it scratches that itch of wanting to know how things work, but kind of in a more artistic way than say engineering. And it was also with 100% transparency, I tell you this, struggling to figure out how I was going to take my artistic skill and quote-unquote make a living. My parents were not keen on me just going off to art school and figuring it out later. I I needed a plan. And when I heard about this job, I was like, oh my god, I'm saved. Holy crap. I could do this thing over here. This sounds fascinating. And my folks can be like, what? Oh, and she can get like a job and an office and it can still be art and this will be great. My parents are um, were classical musicians. So they know the life of a day job and then your side artistic passion, right? They know all about that. And I heard all about you know, how they, you know, started in music and then at some point had to give it up for a quote-unquote real job. And I had vowed I would never, ever, ever be that person. I would never have that happen to me. Even that young, that's what it was like. You know, I was in it to win it. I was going to fight for my art. And so this was the perfect solution. So I'm... I graduated from high school when I was 17. So I was either 16 or 17 when I found out about this. You know, it was scientific illustration as a career. And there were, you know, no internet for me to go check it out. I have no idea. None. How I, you know, (laughs) what I did next, you know, what I did with that information. Um. All I know is I had always wanted to go to the Art Institute of Chicago. Like, that was my goal. I became obsessed with going there when I was about nine. Um, We would drive into the city because I grew up really close to Chicago. We would drive to the city and I would hide my eyes when we would go by the school because it was just too much for me. I was a little dramatic as a kid. A little bit intense. Little bit. (laughs) So, yeah, so the next thing was, you know, the Art Institute of Chicago is a very fine, fine art school, you know, not a lot of technical art there, you know, one class in scientific illustration, just one. But of course, there was a whole host of of faculty who believed in the values I believed in, so it worked for me. But yeah, so I'm going to get into that more later, art school and all of that. But suffice it to say, I got my Bachelor's of Fine Art from the Art Institute of Chicago in 1998. And then I went on to get my master's degree in medical and biological illustration or art as applied to medicine from Johns Hopkins School of Medicine in 2002. So from 1992, let's say, to 2002... That was my entire life, was just making that happen. And nothing was going to get in my way. Yep. So that's how I found out about it as as a career. And I will tell you too, because I get this question a lot. People from every 
background to medical illustration. You do not have to fit into a certain mold, in my experience. So yeah, I can only speak from my experience with Johns Hopkins in the early aughts, you know, late 90s. But what I can say about that is they didn't want to see any illustration from me. They didn't want to do that. They wanted to see my fine art. They wanted to see how I used color, how well my, how good my draftsmanship was again, that whole thing, my foundation drawing, my sense of design, my sense of composition, you know, how I was as a person. You know, I had to be academically strong and have a good portfolio, but it wasn't exactly what you might think. So if this is a career that you're interested in, I really encourage you to Google the Association of Medical Illustrators and Learn Medical Art, which is another um, really great Instagram account from some medical illustrators. They're doing a great job. And if this is the first time you're hearing about this career and you're like, what? This is it for me. I am so happy to be the person to tell you. And please reach out to me. Please ask me questions. I would love to answer them here on the podcast. I would love to become Instagram friends with you and DM and whatever. I would love to talk to you about it. I really would. So yeah, I am really happy that I turned this mic on today. And I hope all of this makes sense because I've been talking for 25 minutes and I really want to keep these to be about 30 minute episodes. So I will sign off for episode one of I Draw Dead People with me, Megan Foldenauer, PhD. (laughs) And I really hope you liked it and I would really love some feedback. And as you always hear from podcasters, If you want to support me, the best thing you can do is to like my podcast and subscribe to it. You can go to Apple or Spotify. I'm on both. You, you know, click the subscribe button. Give me a rating. Um, It's a cumulative process. The more people who do that, the more people will hear me. And the more this can affect my life and my art and the more stuff I can do. And that's really the dream. And I really, really, really appreciate you tuning in and giving me a chance. I really do. So please come follow me over on Instagram. I'm Megan Foldenauer Creative. My last name is spelled F-O-L-D-E-N-A-U-E-R. So you can Google me and you will find me. I'm also on Facebook. I have an artist page there that's Megan Loves to Draw. And then, as I said before, my website is MeganLovesToDraw.com, and you can totally find links to all of my social media at the very bottom of every page on my website and in the lovely show notes. And if you weren't aware, there's almost 2,000 pieces of my art on my website, so I would really love it if you'd go check it out. So I think I'm going to sign off for now, and I want to thank my coach, Kathy Heller for hosting a class today that got the fire under my butt to actually record this episode. It's been driving me nuts. And here I am. And I'm so happy. So go look up Kathy Heller. Kathy with a C. H-E-L-L-E-R. She's also on all the things and she has the best podcast. She really does. So that's it for now. I draw dead people. They don't move. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding.
<laughs> and come back next week because I'm going to have you follow along as I do an actual medical illustration for my job. It should be really informative and I'm really excited to have you. Come say hi. Come say hi over on social media and I will talk to you soon.